Thank you again for listening to our podcast today. Thank you so much for your support. We worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. here at St. John's Lutheran Church in the heart of downtown Martinsburg, West Virginia. Know that you're always welcome to our table and to our worship. God bless. And we hope you enjoy today's message. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the second chapter. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. When the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it was written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn man shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of God, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. And the children's father and child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that he that will be opposed, so that in thoughts may be and their thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Thalol, a female of the tribe of Asher. She was a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the end, to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. It's the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Christ. You all may be seated, and I invite children to come up. After nearly four weeks of remembering Jesus as an adult, we're going to remember Jesus as an infant once again. An infant just over a month old, traveling from their home to Jerusalem to visit the temple to do two very important things. The rite of purification for Mary and the dedication of Jesus to God. The early part of Jesus' life has been steeped in following the law. Eight days after his birth, Mary and Joseph had their son circumcised as required by the law of Moses. And he was given the name Jesus. That is what the angel Gabriel told Mary to do. 32 days after this law-abiding act, Mary and Joseph were once again fulfilling the law of Moses. I cannot, as a modern-day person, imagine traveling from, we're not really sure, either Nazareth or Bethlehem to the temple with a a one-month-old child. Most estimates say it probably took them about five days by foot. That's five days up and five days back. 
It's a long way to go with a baby. The law of Moses is clear. In number 13, in Numbers 3.13 it says, For all the firstborn are mine. When I killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I consecrated from my own all the firstborn in Israel, both human and animal. They shall be mine. I am the Lord. And in Exodus 13, chapter, two, uh, chapter 13, verse 2, it says, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever is the first to open the womb among the Israelites, of human beings and animals, is mine. You know, to anyone who claims that Jesus wanted us to throw out the law as rubbish, I say point them to the text in Luke 2. Jesus was brought up to respect the law and and the intent of the law. The tension Jesus has with the law later on in his life is never that of an outsider, but as one who has faithfully observed the divine expectations. Practices of the law that subvert God's command to love one another are unacceptable requirements. Those practices are what Jesus calls out. And Jesus is not anti-temple either. Rather, Jesus envisions a temple open to all that seek the presence of God, distinguishing between pausing to worship and honor God from practices that oppress and dishonor others. Luke is giving us the proper way to observe the law and to regard the temple. The reason Jesus is to be dedicated is because all things come from God and are a gift to us. By offering Jesus back to God, his parents acknowledge the amazing gift that God has given to them and to us as well. Luke portrays the one who redeems the world himself, the firstborn of Israel, as redeemed before God, serving as the new Paschal Lamb. But Jesus could never serve in this role as a Paschal Lamb without first knowing who this God is and what things God, this God expects from God's people. Jesus learns all this from his parents' example of following the law and being faithful to God's word, even when it's hard and difficult. Mary and Joseph set Jesus up on the right track that will lead him to one day be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. They taught him the importance of being faithful to the ways of God. As Luke says, the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Jesus becomes the man he is because of two people who he called, very affectionately, Matar and Abba, mom and dad. This little child who they hold in their arms will one day be held by a cross for the salvation of the world. One day this little baby would for, will forever change the world. One day this little baby will not be so little anymore. He will lead a movement of followers back to God, back to the true ways of our Father in Heaven becoming for us the light of the world. Mary and Joseph knew their child was special. Mary spoke with the angel. I'm sure she shared that experience with her husband. I mean, if Luke heard that experience, certainly her husband would have heard all about encountering the angel Gabriel. At the very least, they could at least have played Mary, did you know? And Joseph would have gotten her, right? That's a stupid joke. <laughs> Mary and Joseph know Jesus is special. But hearing Simeon and Anna confirm their faith had to be something to experience. I'm not sure how I would have reacted, though, to strangers walking up to me after I've just been traveling on a road for five days by foot 
but a one-month-old in my arms. I'm not sure how Diane would have reacted to Simeon coming up to her and saying, A sword will pierce your own soul too. What does that even mean? I mean, we know what it means because we know the whole story. Would any of us want to hear that you had witnessed your firstborn son killed on a cross? Yet Mary does not push Simeon away. Instead, she listens to his words. She listens to the priests Simeon proclaim, Lord, now you let your servant go in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. My own eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of every people. A light to reveal you to the nations and the glory of your people, Israel. And you have the prophet Anna, who sat in the temple day and night, fasting and praying to the Lord upon seeing the baby Jesus. She recognized that God had acted, and then acted during her lifetime. That God had indeed done a wonderful thing. That God was present. Upon witnessing the Lord, they both proclaimed, both Anna and Simeon, Proclaim him with joy, and this beautiful hymn of praise to God became the cornerstone of sorts to our liturgy. This is why we sing the Nuptiminitus, the song of Simeon at the end of our Eucharistic feast. For we have seen the Lord as Simeon saw him. In the bread and wine, Christ is present, and we sing with joy the ability just to glimpse our Lord for but a moment. But we also see the Lord in the beggar on the street, in the, in the homeless person, in the last the lost, the least, the little life with how many of us sing the same joy that Simeon and Anna sang on that day many years ago. And we're all guilty of this. And, and Jesus was not always welcomed in the same way that Simeon and Anna welcomed him into the temple. He was killed on a cross. His own disciples deserted him. One even denied knowing him. Nobody is exempt from turning their backs on Jesus. Nobody. So maybe in some way God put Simeon and Anna in this place to set an example for us. For it's much, much easier to accept the sweet little baby Jesus. The adult version says and does things that make us all uncomfortable at times. With a little practice, a little prayer. Maybe we could get better at accepting the adult side of Jesus as well. You know, Jesus doesn't call the perfect. Simeon and Anna were not perfect. Jesus calls and redeems the sinners. And as sinners, we look to Simeon and Anna's actions as examples to live by. Simeon testifies to the faithfulness of God. At the sight of the child, at the mere beginning to God's arrival to the form of the promised one, it stirs from within Simeon a song born of peace in knowing that God will indeed bring glory to the people Israel and provide a light a revelation to the Gentiles. And Anna sings for joy because she realizes that during her lifetime, she would be able to witness God bringing redemption to Jerusalem to this blessed child. May we, my brothers and sisters, strive to do the same thing.